Hello, and welcome to the AK-47 podcast. That's 47 selections from the works of Alexandra Kolontai. My name is Kristen Godsey. I'm a professor of Russian and East European Studies at the University of Pennsylvania. And I've just returned from a trip to Berlin where I've been doing research on women's rights and issues. And I'm back here today with my 17-year-old daughter who has agreed to be on the show today to sort of take a break and discuss something that happened while I was away in Germany. And that is the Canadian psychology professor, Jordan Peterson, basically made this really interesting argument about how women should think of motherhood as an adventure and that people, women in particular, have a moral obligation to bring children into the world as a force for good. You, I'm sure some of you have heard about this. I think if you Google Jordan Peterson motherhood adventure, you'll find the relevant articles. And even though we're in the middle of reading the social basis of the woman question, since this article is specifically about the role of women and motherhood and whether or not women can be truly free and truly emancipated without some sort of state support for motherhood, is the whole theme of Colin Tai's essay. And so I thought it would be really fun to sort of stop here and just have a little conversation with somebody who's obviously much younger and who will eventually someday perhaps be a mother um, and ask her her opinion on the so-called adventure of motherhood that awaits her in the future. Welcome. Hello. How are you? It's nice to have you back. Good. I mean, I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> it's nice to see you again. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's been a while. It's, it's nice to be back here on this podcast. Yes. Yes. I'm glad that this is happening. Okay. So let's talk about motherhood. Let's talk about motherhood. So the thing about Alexandra Kolontai's article, obviously, is that she is arguing that in order for women to truly be emancipated, some of the work of raising children, of paying for the raising of children, mm -hmm. of caring for children, has to be done by the state, and preferably a socialist right. state. Right? right, okay. So, you know, in the United States today, there's actually very little help for women who decide to have children. So how do you think that kind of situation impacts the decision of you and maybe peers your age, friends that you have? Well, um, I think that it's a lot of, it's a big dilemma for a lot of people. Like I've talked to friends at camp, or I went to this camp recently and we would have late night conversations and we talked about being mothers and we talked about um, how both of this, me and my friend, both of us wanted to have children in the future, but it was really a, a hard question of like timing and when would we do it and how would we do it and, and what would be the circumstances because in this world, it's pretty much impossible to really balance, like have the work-family balance of like having a child, but also having a career. And because, I mean, partially, I think that women nowadays have definitely been allowed, we're, we're, get, we're given a lot more opportunity to have careers with the changing workplace and stuff like that. And so a lot of women want to be able to have careers and they want to be able to make a difference in the world aside from just having a family, but that doesn't mean that they don't want families. And so it mostly the problem is, I mean, people complain about feminism ending. Um, obviously, Jordan Peterson complaining about how feminism is ruining the family and stuff like that. But mostly it's not really feminism. It's just the fact that, I mean, yes, women no longer stay at home and take care of children. But that doesn't mean that they don't want them. So I think that, yeah, the, the issue with like you with state based daycare and stuff like that would be great. Like during World War II, the way that they had kindergartens for working women um, where the children would stay and they could still, they had their children in the evenings and in the mornings and it was great for them. Obviously they were shut down as soon as the war ended and the women were forced back into the home, but 
it, it, I think that state-based healthcare would probably solve a lot of problems for child a lot care. of women. Child did well, I state, health, You said healthcare. Healcare, healthcare would be good care. too. Yeah, healthcare but, yeah. would be good too, but I meant child care. Child care, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the United States is one of the few countries that doesn't have any kind of paid parental leave, mandatory right, paid exactly. parental leave. Yeah, so there are other sorts of policies as well. But, you know, when you talk to your friends, like you were having these conver- late night conversations with your friends at camp, I mean, what are the kinds of things that are daunting about the adventure of motherhood? Well, a lot of us, I mean, obviously, since we're young, we don't really know the full story behind parenthood. Mostly, we like the idea of, like, raising children, and, and we tend to like the idea of, like, recreating our own home life. Or maybe changing, like like if we notice things that we would rather have had in our lives, like as children, then we would like to do that again, but like fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's like the the financial dif- like difficulties are much less present in our minds in the, the sort of romanticized view. But then we think about like you know having a career, being being in school, and then going e- maybe even to like grad school or further education. And then getting a job and being kind of on, on thin ice in early in the career path. And then by the time you're stable enough in your job, you're like 40 and, and you're too old to have a baby. And a lot of girl, like young people whose parents, whose mothers especially are old, they don't, they, their relationships aren't as nice as people, people with younger mothers. But then it's harder. So it's, there, there are definitely issues. Yeah. You know, and the other thing that's really interesting, I remember, you know, when I talked to women my age who had children in Eastern Europe mm-hmm. back when it was still socialist, they, a lot of women, especially in places like the GDR, but also to a certain extent in Bulgaria, they had their children in college. So yeah. most babies were born before they were 25. And, you know, there were kindergartens at school and, you know, at the universities, there were places where you could leave your kid while you were studying and then you go home. And the great thing was, is essentially you would take care of your kid while you were studying. And then by the time you graduated with your specialty, you would start your job and your child was old enough to go to a kindergarten. Yeah. So, but like in the United States, it, I've never, ever in my 17, 18 years of teaching at university seen a student yeah. Like an undergraduate student oh, with yeah. a child. Well, and the one time an undergraduate student got pregnant, she almost got kicked out. So, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Horrible. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's like there's this weird, you know, so much societal pressure on women it's in also, weird ways. Yeah. It's also just like, I mean, because I've considered, like, well, when would I have a child if I wanted to, like, when I, when I, because I do want children. And, and I thought, like, well, if I had a child in college, then it would kind of be perfect because then by the time I graduate, everything would be fine um, and they would be old enough. But, that would be a problem because then you wouldn't have that college experience. And because, I mean, nowadays, this isn't really on topic, but, like, the whole, like, the college life, the, the romanticized view, it's, it's what everybody, like, trains their entire grade school, like, up through high school. You're, I mean, the system relies on people mindlessly working towards the fantastic goal of college. And if that college, in the middle of it, you start getting the intense responsibility of childcare, and you don't have that, like, those wild parties and... Like, the, your 20s are, are known to be, like, the wild times and your party days and stuff like that before you really have to settle down. And so, I mean, I think that the culture is just not even remotely around, like, surrounded by, like, children, people usually have children around, like, 29 mm-hmm. or at the earliest. And so even, yeah, even people who want to have children and want to try to figure out a good time, like, 
that's not even on the table for them. Right. And, you know, and I think that that's important to, to recognize because, of course, when we're talking about university students, we're, we're often talking about sort of white collar, eventually people who are going to go into white collar industries in consulting or finance or law or medicine, academia, whatever. And the thing is, is that it's really useful to have 20-year-old employees, employees in your 20s that are completely free of any family obligations. Exactly, yeah. Because you can exploit the hell out of them. Yep. And, and they do. I mean, anybody who's out there in their 20s knows if you have one of these jobs, if you're lucky enough to have one of these jobs, you get, you're lucky enough to be exploited like crazy. Yeah. Um, and what happens is, is that there's this winnowing process, right? So by the time people get to like 30, 35, you're supposed to be like making partner or getting tenure or things like that. And so there are going to be a lot fewer positions than there are workers who have put right. in the time in their exactly. 20s. And so it's really convenient that that's when women start getting pregnant yeah. and then they just leave the labor force because they can't possibly find balance. So in some ways, the odds are really deeply stacked against women. And a lot of women don't realize exactly how difficult it's going to be until they're in their mid-30s and they're trying to figure out career and family. And it's it's crazy. And so, you know, Jordan Peterson in that interview, he said that like women aren't having babies because of the environment or they're being told not to have babies because it would be evil to bring a child into the world considering all the ecological damage that the child might do. I mean. I think that a lot of people are not having babies because they're afraid that it's not going to be easy. Well, I think that, to, I mean, I have seen a lot of things. And it is, I mean, to some extent, it must be horrible. Like, we, with the whole abortion argument, we say, like, if, if a child without, like, a, a child that would have otherwise been aborted grows up and gets abandoned or is just an unloved child and um, has a terrible, awful life where they're, like, back and forth between foster homes or... They're abused at home. That's a terrible life. And why would why why is that life more valuable over an aborted life? Thinking about, I mean, I know that it's definitely something to consider for people my age, especially because a lot of youth are really concerned about the environment and the state that the world is going into. And it must, I mean, imagine if we have a child and we and we go and we get pregnant and we have a baby and then the next week the entire United States, for example, collapses and there's no more country. Or even just like, I mean, the global temperatures are rising and, and imagine like living in a place that will be hit with these like, you know, friggin' 140 degrees Fahrenheit like areas in the next few years. Like people are going to burn and bake to death. Mm. Like imagine being responsible for an infant life going into that world. That must be so scary for people. And I think that, yes, like Jordan, I mean, people like some the example that Jordan Peterson used of saying that some woman is a doesn't call herself a feminist and is beaten up by her friends for not wanting to have for wanting to have children because they say that it's immoral to have children. I don't think that's realistic. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't know what situation she's in that that's the case. But it is definitely scary not only to think imagine how my life is going to be impacted, but worrying that what is going to happen to your child when when they grow up or when. Like, if you get killed or, or if the world is just such a disgusting, horrible place by the time this child grows up, like, is it worth that life having ever existed? Right. And I guess the question or the point or the, you know, thought that is really relevant here from, you know, this early essay of Alexander Kollontai that I'm reading and discussing in these episodes is that the problem is capitalism. Yeah. The reason the environment is so screwed up is capitalism. The reason why it's so difficult to raise a child is capitalism. The of reason course. why we have this social anxiety and all of these incredible depression 
this epidemic of loneliness and of alienation, it's capitalism, right? Like at the end of the day, I mean, I realize that people, a lot of young people are like really upset about the environment, but when you sort of push them and say, okay, yes, the environment needs to change, but the reason the environment, you know, the environmental conditions, we need to stop human induced climate change. But what's the underlying economic system that's creating that. You know, there's this famous quote, which is, you know, Frederick Jameson has said it, Slavoj Žižek has said it, it's really unclear who said it first, which is that it's much easier for young people or for people to imagine an ecological catastrophe that brings about the end of the world than to imagine a change in the economic system that would create that ecological catastrophe in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's easier for people to imagine an environmental mm -hmm. catastrophe than the end of capitalism. And I think right. that that's, you know, that I see that. Of I mean, of course it is, because with, the, uh, with an environmental catastrophe, that's not in the hands of anybody. That's just gonna happen, or it might happen, but there's no, like, there's no, it's physics, physics and chemistry and biology and like various, universal forces yeah, are but acting, carbon emissions are come acting, from people exactly no 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 i'm not saying that like the world is producing carbon emissions i'm saying that carbon emissions the reason why they're bad is because they react with specific chemicals in the atmosphere and then those cause problems outside in the ecosystem and then those problems then later affect humans and we're like oh crap how did we get here whereas with an economic system this is my own personal theory is it like there it's people are in control of it and it's much harder, it's A, harder to understand and harder to control people than it is the environment because there are no universal laws that people follow no matter what. Hmm. So it's just a sort of uncertainty of who's in charge exactly. and how to change things. Who's in charge, how to change things. We have to like, we, not only are we worrying about everybody else, we're also worrying about ourselves and the way that our lives are going. And so we're constantly distracted and being pulled in 50,000 different directions by 50,000 different kinds of people in different situations that we're caught up in in our everyday lives. And so, of course, I mean, also it's just an issue because the way that people get their information and the way that they get their perspectives is through the media and through their peers. And most people, their peers, tend not to be radical lefties who are saying that the problem is capitalism rather than the environment. It's so easy to blame the state of the world on the environment and they blame the oil companies and they blame big business to some extent, but also like that's, that's not going to help very much. They organize marches and they do these things and they do what they can. And so, and even, I mean, slight tangent here, but most of the people who are left and are outspoken about it and do try to convince people about, you know, how capitalism is at fault here, a lot of them are otherwise socially not they, they tend to fit in strange circles like, and so the general population doesn't like them okay can you elaborate i'm sorry we were briefly interrupted by the dog but the basset, hound. the basset hound who whined in the background but can you elaborate on the on the strange circles that people don't like i mean are you talking about the birdie bros or At attempting to be delicate here okay um, so <laughs> yes because some of my listeners might actually be yes yeah well there's there's an intensity that comes with the conviction that capitalism is the worst thing in the world. Uh. And that intensity can come off as uncool. And that intensity can come off as of low status to, to people's inherent status meters that we have in our brains that are just a function of human nature. And it, so we think of somebody who's really passionate about something, especially in the current climate with young people, being apathetic is the ultimate height of coolness. And in ah. order to argue 
that capitalism is evil and that you know we need to change something about our economic economic system most people who argue that are very passionate and they're uncool for because of that because they're passionate exactly being passionate about something makes you uncool think about weeaboos and and anime nerd like anime nudes and weeaboos are the same thing weeaboos <laughs> and like you know nerds of all kinds and people who are like really like the reason people make fun of teenage girls because they're always obsessed with the next hot boy band or billie eilish or something like that like people who are really passionate and very clear about what they like are made fun of a lot and so that that extends to political ideology. Interesting. Wow. So if you're, I mean, people who are like, this is kind of terrible. We don't like this. Like, I mean, there's oh, there's whole a video about uh, from the YouTuber Contrapoints. There's a video where she basically Natalie Wynn, the host mm -hmm. of Contrapoints, through one of her characters in a dialectic fashion, argues that in order for people to subscribe to the leftist movement, that you need to have people who are like ice cold, who are passionate and who are angry about the state of the system, but are cool about it. They're not, they're not super, they're like angry, but they're ice cold. They're not, they're not hot, they're not heated. And she, she has this very typical like caricature of a very lefty person who's like in a cat costume <laughs> and is, you know, terrible and like bashes, like is that the brings tanky? out a bat. Yes, you, the tanky. Yeah. <laughs> Tabby is her name. Tabby the tanky, yeah. Um, in, in the show, or not the show, in the YouTube videos. Yeah. But so she, she uses that stereotype of the left to kind of to her advantage, but also to point out the reason why so many people are derisive towards the left. Oh, that's really interesting. Partially, I mean, it kind of goes along with the whole zeitgeist of the, of the Gen Z, I guess, or millennials, but mostly Gen Z, which is the generation that I'm a part of. The, 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 the mentality is very, the world is gonna end. There's nothing we can do about it. Nothing is like meaning, life is meaningless. Everything, like, there's no, it's kind of a sort of nihilism, but rather than, it's much more Dadaist or, like, absurdist, where people are like, so why not just have a good time? Like, while we're here, for a pretty short time, for a pretty shitty time, let's just, like, you know, party and be wild and crazy and have all this really intensely weird sense of humor that's just, like, completely incomprehensible for most people. So, so this brings us back to this original comment of, you know, basically Jordan Peterson claiming that there's this young woman who says that her friends are really down on her because right. she wants to have kids. Like, that seems to me kind of odd, right? Given that, How like, so? I mean, well, because you said that, like, the apathy thing. Right. Well, I think that maybe it's because... Of course, my theory that I just presented is not, it's not 100% universal. Okay. Um, and I think that it's more of a tendency rather than an abs absolute. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, I don't have a ton of experience in this. Yeah. I have a pretty narrow perspective sure. to my own right. um, thing. But I think that it could be that she's, like, her not, her not being a feminist is mm -hmm. a huge thumb that sticks out. Oh. Because everybody's supposed to be a feminist. And her not being, that's par par partially probably why her friends are down on her is because she is sticking out mm -hmm. and and I mean people want to be quirky and weird not really but like there there are people pe like people want to generally conform that's just kind of how it is and and people who don't conform are often expected ostracized, ostracized. there I mean even people who don't fit in form groups so that they can fit in yeah that's exactly what they want most of all right which is so crazy yeah. because their whole idea like their, their whole self-identity is based off of not fitting in. And that's just, again, that's part of human nature, social creatures, that's what we are. An interesting thing that Jordan Peterson said in his video about motherhood was his, his whole image of the Pieta, 
with like the mother, the, the, the image of the Virgin Mary cradling her son Jesus after he is crucified. And he basically says he, he, he takes that example and immediately the quote about how women should view motherhood as um, an adventure comes directly after he brings up this example of Mary and the fact that her, I mean, you can see the pain on her face in most paintings of Mary after Jesus crucified that she's experienced this horrible pain that her son has died. And Jordan Peterson basically says that this is what we, all women should experience. And that's part of the duty of, earth, of, of motherhood and being a woman is that we should go on this adventure that we know from the get-go will end in suffering, at extreme suffering and pain because of the crucified child. So basically he says that women should have children not despite the growing like political and, and like environmental disasters, but because of it, we should, we, should, we should have children because we want, we need to like have that journey and that adventure of loving something and then watching it die. It's a very because weird, it's a very yeah. strange perspective and it's almost medieval in a sense. It's, it's very, I mean, having studied this past year, South American literature, especially within, through um, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, it's very South American in a way. It's yeah. very like Catholic. Catholic. It's very yeah. Catholic. That that women should suffer. For what reason? Eve. Eve. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> that women should suffer because of Eve. Eve. Yeah. Um, but it seems so weird because he labels himself like atheist. Yeah, it's I mean he believes in the, he believes in the mythologies of you know, these are archetypal mythologies exactly. and things like that. Yeah, I mean I'm no expert on Mr. Jordan Peterson. Peter, Mr. Peterson's ideology is notoriously hard to pin down. Yes, exactly, exactly. But I just thought that we should talk about it in relation to Colin Ty, since Colin Ty's essay that I'm reading, The Social Basis of the Woman Question, is precisely about motherhood and motherhood, the role yes. of motherhood. So anyway, this has been a lot of fun. I'm glad that you came back on my yes, show. Yes, so am I. Yeah. Now, I know you wanted to get one Wookiee. I have to warm up. <laughs> So among our many talents, <laughs> my daughter can also speak fluent Wookiee. No, I can't. I need to practice. Okay. I can't do the, the gurgling thing. The like... Yeah, I, that's I hard. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for having me on yes. this podcast. And thank you for everyone for listening. This is Kristen Godsey with the AK47 Podcast. Yeah.